today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Come into the house. You have great worship services. You do these mighty things. Man, you give offerings. You do all kinds of things. But you know what? Your life doesn't show that there's any change. God says, I don't want your offerings. I don't want your worship. I don't want your feast days. I want your heart. I want your life. I want that day in and day out, moment by moment reality that I am the God who saves and I am the God who again sustains and I am the God who keeps and and covers and I'm the God that loves, that is long-suffering and merciful. Pastor David discusses what God wants from our lives. We can easily go through the outward appearance and motions of being a follower of Christ, but what God really wants from us is a life that is lived for Him, both inside and out. He wants your heart and your trust. It's not just about going to church or reading the Bible. It's more than that. He wants a relationship with you, one that goes deeper than simply going through the motions. Give your heart to Him, the God that sustains, keeps, and saves you. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Amos, chapters 2 through 8, as he continues his message. See this, despising the law of God, not keeping his commandments. You know what? God is ranking that right up there with those that have gone and, 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 and murdered and, and ravaged and destroyed people's lives. He says, well, he's a murderer. He's, he's, he's a wicked, he killed somebody. God says, yeah, but you're not keeping my commandments. Your heart isn't mine. For three transgressions and for four, I'm not going to turn that punishment away. He says their lies lead them astray. Lies which their fathers followed. They were following after the teachings of these false idols and and the the doctrines of these demons, literally. He says, I'm going to send fire upon Judah and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Now understand, this is going on at 760 B.C., Judah, the southern kingdom, didn't fall for another 200 years. And you think, well, that, that's great. The greatness about that was they had 200 years to repent. Uh, 40 years from when they get this message, they, they see the northern kingdom, Israel, fall. And them, and, and in their self-righteousness, I'm sure that they probably said, well, those guys were worshiping idols. They don't have the real temple up there. They're, they're worshiping up at, at Dan, at that, that, that false idol, at that false place of worship. We've got the real temple here in Jerusalem. No wonder God took them out. But you know what? God is sending prophet after prophet after prophet, much more than just Amos, and we'll be covering some more as we go through this study, going to Judah, the southern kingdom, the ones that stayed there that were supposed to still be worshiping 
Jehovah, the one true God. God sending prophet after prophet after prophet saying, you know what? You're not worshiping me. You don't have my heart. You're still worshiping these idols. He said, and so I'm going to devour the palaces of Jerusalem. That's exactly what happened when the Babylonians came and took over Jerusalem and the city and the temple and destroyed it, 586 BC. And then thus says the Lord, verse six, speaking to the northern tribe, Israel, says for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I'm not gonna turn away your punishment either because you sell the righteous for silver. In other words, they were involved in slavery. God says, you're gonna be punished because of that. You sell the poor for a pair of sandals. They pant after the dust of the earth, which is on the head of the poor. They pervert the way of the humble. A man and his father go into the same girl to defile my holy name. They lay down by every altar on clothes taken in pledge. They drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. In other words, their worship, everything about their worship was perverse. Everything about their lifestyle, they didn't care about people. They just wanted to know what's in it for them. And I read about this and I look at our own nation and I think, and you don't think that we're gonna be judged by God for the perversity of our own nation? For for the, the way that we've treated people as a nation? We've deserved that judgment years ago. I believe the loss of so many lives in the Civil War was part of that judgment. I believe that some of these other things that that have come upon our nation is part of that judgment. Well, beloved, you got to understand that Judah had 200 years to repent from the time that Amos is declaring these things. Guess what? How long have we been a nation? 250 years? You don't think that maybe we're on the very edge of that judgment? I think we are. I think we are. And but for the grace and the long suffering of God, we've lasted as long as we have. And I believe that God continues to, to proclaim to our nation, look, we need to repent. We need to turn. On and on we could go through this. In, in chapter three, he's, you don't understand. Can't you see, don't, don't you understand just the reality of truth that you can look and you can see, man, can... Two people walk together and unless they're agreed. You know, my wife and I, we go walking through the mall and on one side there's a sports equipment place and I'm just gonna wander over there and suddenly on the other side it's a department store and she's wandering over there and we usually walk holding hands. So that's not gonna work, is it? The two are not gonna work, you know, walk together unless they're in agreement, definitely. Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? No, man, he's not gonna make any noise. He's creeping around, he's looking for prey. Will a lung lion cry out of his den if he has caught nothing? No. Will a bird fall into a snare on the earth when there's no trap for it? <laughs> that, that's even humorous. There's, there's not a trap there. How's he going to get caught in a snare? Will a snare spring up from the earth if it's not caught anything? No, something's got to trip the snare. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? Yeah, they will be afraid. And verse, or number seven, if there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? I think part of the thing is, is for you and I to realize that there's stuff that happens in the world. I, I know that there's stuff that happens in the world. It's just part of the reality we live in a fallen world. But I believe that you and I as believers, I believe all believers, we need to keep our sensitivity attuned 
look and say, was 9-11 a wake-up call for our nation? Or was it just a random vicious act? I believe it was a wake-up call for our nation. The interesting thing is it woke our nation up. Churches, man, the attendance, boom, for about three months or so. There was no further attacks. And, you know, the, the Barna, uh, who does the, the, the different polls and stuff, he said, not only did the attendance go back down to what it was, but in many cases, in some of the major cities, the attendance went down even further. Because suddenly there was what fear might have been there wasn't at all. And people's lives were just backing away further and further. Verse 8 there of chapter 3 says, A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? You see, right now, they, they looked in their lives, and the, the northern kingdom in, in particular, man, they, they were full of peace. They felt secure. They had all the provisions they needed. Life was wonderful for them. Man, they got a raise at work. The stock market was just hitting record levels. Man, housing was, was man, you could buy a house, you know, the place you wanted. Everything was there. All the, all the gadgets, the gadgets, man, you could get them on Amazon tomorrow delivered. Or maybe if you live in a big city, you get it this afternoon. Everything was wonderful. The problem is it's not going to stay that way. Read verse 9. It says, proclaim in the palaces of Ashdod and the palaces of the land of Egypt and say, assemble at the mountains of Samaria. Now that was the height of the idolatry, okay? That's where Israel's main idol worship was. Everybody come up there. See great tumults in her midst and the oppressed within her. For they do not know to do right, says the Lord, who stored up violence and robbery in their palaces. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, an adversary shall be all around the land, and he's going to sap your strength from you, and your palaces shall be plundered. Thus says the Lord, as a shepherd takes from the mouth of a lion two legs and a piece of an ear. Let that sink in for a moment, what he's saying there. I want to go rescue my sheep, that lion got him. Oh, God, I got my sheep, and got a couple of legs and an ear. The lion's already got the rest of him. So shall the children of Israel be taken out who dwell in Samaria. In other words, many of them are going to die. In the corner of a bed and on the edge of a couch, hear and testify against the house of Jacob, says the Lord God, the God of hosts, that in the day I punish Israel for their transgression, I will also visit destruction on the altars of Bethel, one of their main places of worship or their idol worship. The horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. I will destroy the winter house along with the summer house. The houses of ivory shall perish. In other words, these are the kings and the leaders. I'm going to wipe all of that out. The great houses shall have an end, says the Lord. Chapter 4. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. He's not talking to the livestock here, okay? The cows of Bashan are well known as being, you know, uh, well, well-fed, fat and fine, you know, animals. And now God is calling the, the leadership of Israel, you're nothing but a bunch of cows of Bashan. You oppress the poor, you crush the needy. You say to your husbands, drink wine, let us drink. Lord God has sworn by his holiness, behold, the day shall come upon you when they, here it is, the Assyrians coming in. 
they shall take you away with fish hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. You will go out through the broken walls, each one straight ahead of her, and you will be cast into Harmon, says the Lord. You got to understand, straight out, that's that chain. They're hooked together, one to one, with that chain and that fish hook on their mouth. On and on it goes, the reality and the truth of it. Because those that had so much, those that were blessed so much, they thought that everything was fine. They thought that they were secure in all that they had. And in the midst of their opulence and prosperity, they began to oppress the poor. They began to abuse the people. And they become callous in their own hearts about the things of God. And so God sent in the Assyrians to take them captive, to remove them from their land. Not only them, but their children, their posterity. So it's not only going to be you, but we're going to take your child the same way. And we're going to lead you out single line through the broken down holes in your walls. All of that that's going on. And, and again, down in verse 6, also I gave you, he says, I, I tried to get your attention. I gave you cleanness of teeth. Now that doesn't mean that they got the whitener strips, Okay. That means they didn't have any food to make their teeth dirty. I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, lack of bread in all your places, and yet you've not returned to me. I made it rain in one city and withheld rain from another. One part was rained upon when the other part didn't rain upon. Two or three cities wandered to another city just to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet you didn't return to me. So God brought natural cataclysmic events into their country. Maybe it's like, I don't know, hurricanes that wipe out a whole section of their country. Maybe it was massive fires that attacked whole sections of their countries. Maybe it was tornadoes year after year after year in sections of their country. Kind of like what we've experienced over the last decade or so. We've had so many massive hurricanes and floods in our areas. It's just absolutely amazing. The fires up in the Northwest this this year, again, just amazing. God says, I've done all these things, and yet you've not returned to me. I blasted you with blight and mildew. You even had the locusts come against you, but no, you didn't change. You didn't do anything. He says over in in verse 4 of chapter 5, in verse 4 of chapter 5, Thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, again, that place of idol worship, nor enter Gilgal, again, a place of idol worship, or Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity. Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, and no one to quench it in Bethel. You who turn justice to wormwood, and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. Down in verse 14, seek good and not evil that you may live, says the Lord God of hosts. Verse 15, hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. Because beloved, the day of the Lord is coming. Verse 16, therefore the Lord God of hosts, the Lord says, there shall be wailing in the streets 
They shall say in all the highways, alas, alas. They shall call the farmer to mourning, the skillful lamenters to wailing. All the vineyards shall be wailing, for I will pass through, says the Lord. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord? It's gonna be darkness and not light. It'll be like a man fled from a lion and he met a bear as though he went into his house for safety and he leaned his hand on the wall and there was a serpent there that bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Then look what he says about their worship in verse 21. I hate, I despise, I do not savor your feast days or your sacred assemblies. You offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I'm not gonna accept them. I'm not going to regard your fatted peace offerings. Take your worship away from me, the noise of your songs. I'm not going to hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. So in other words, what he's saying, you come into the house, you have great worship services, you do these mighty things. Man, you give offerings, you do all kinds of things. But you know what? Your life doesn't show that there's any change. God says, I don't want your offerings. I don't want your worship. I don't want your feast days. I want your heart. I want your life. I want that day in and day out, moment by moment reality that I am the God who saves and I am the God who again sustains and I am the God who keeps and and covers and I'm the God that loves, that is long-suffering and merciful but they're not going to do it. Look down at verse 27. Therefore, I will send you into captivity beyond Damascus. Yeah, Damascus is in Syria. They're going beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God. Chapter six, again, woe to you, woe to you, all these things that are going on. You're not grieved because of what's going on. Verse nine of chapter six, shall come to pass that if 10 men remain in one house, they shall die. When a relative of the dead with one who will burn the bodies picks up the bodies to take them out of the house, he will say to one inside the house, are there any more with you? Then someone will say, none. He'll say, hold your tongue, for we dare not mention the name of the Lord. For behold, the Lord gives a command. He'll break the great house into bits, into pieces. On and on he goes. Chapter seven, he speaks, the Lord God showed me. Behold, he formed locust swarms at the beginning of the late crop. Indeed, it was a late crop after the king's mowings. And so it was when they had finished eating the grass of the land that I said, O Lord God, forgive, I pray. O that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So the Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be. So in other words, the Lord sent a plague to them. They repented. God says, okay, let's move forward from here. You think, well, that's great. But then verse four, thus the Lord showed me, behold, the Lord God called for conflict by fire and it consumed the great deep and devoured the territory. Then I said, O Lord God, cease, I pray. Oh, that Jacob may stand for he is small. So the Lord relented concerning this thing. This shall not be, said the Lord God. So again, as God is giving these visions to Amos, he says, you know, the, this God is bringing this judgment. There's a relenting. There's, there's a mercy. There's a grace of God. And yet they come right back to it again. Verse seven, thus he showed me. Behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. In other words, there is a strict measurement. 
that cannot be deceptive. It can't be perverted, can't be twisted. There's a strict measurement. And he says, behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people, Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. In other words, I've made my decree. This is the reality and the truth. It's not gonna change. And thus Israel suffered because of their own, again, stubbornness, their own disobedience, their own seeking after these foreign idols. Amos said, look, I'm no prophet, not even the son of a prophet. I was simply a sheep breeder. This is over in verse 14. The Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, don't prophesy against Israel? And don't spout against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife is going to become a harlot in the city. Your sons and your daughters are going to fall by the sword. Your land is going to be divided by a survey line. You shall die in a defiled land. Israel shall surely be led away captive from his own land. And they're saying, don't prophesy against us. Don't speak against what we're doing. And how much we hear that in our world today, in our political system, in society, in our culture. Hey, don't be giving me that stuff. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. Who are you to judge me? I don't believe the word of God. I don't believe there's a God. I want to live my life the way that I want to live it. And the unfortunate reality, God says that there's going to be a famine that's going to come in the land. And that's over in verse 11 of chapter 8. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I'm going to send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to south. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. And I find, unfortunately, the reality of that today in our nation, even in places that call themselves Christian churches that do not preach the word of God. They'll preach a feel-good, make peace, be happy message. They might pull one or two verses here, one or two verses there, and pull together a nice-tasting stew. But beloved, there's death in that pot. There's death in that pot. It's the true word of God that's going to change. And it's only when we come to that fullness of understanding that our nation changes. And it starts with us in the church being serious in reality. I know that this sounds like a really bummer kind of a message tonight. But the fact is, the long-suffering and the patience and the hope of God, it's like I shared with you before. Even though you may have gone through all this stuff in your life, all these different issues and things in your life, you're still standing. You're still here. You're still breathing. We as a nation are still here. We're still breathing. We still have a lot of good things going on within our nation. There's still a lot of hope within our nation. But beloved, if we keep going the track we're going, I don't see any hope. But I do see that right now, God is using men and women just like you to touch the hearts and lives of their families, their neighbors, the people they work with, with the reality and the truth of God's Word. And when you and I live that and speak that, lives get changed.
That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.